You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I've just been really impressed with, once again, looking at the Great Commission. You know, with all the things that Jesus taught us and all the things that he said, oftentimes the last thing that he says is the thing that we really need to give a lot of significance to, we need to really pay attention to. And we find in the Great Commission just an incredible, an incredible statement. Uh, If we can go to that slide, Sue. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He has absolute authority over everything regarding heaven and earth. Amazing. So it's in light of that incredible statement that he has all authority that he then says, go. Go. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples Mm. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The last thing that they heard Jesus say probably just triggered all sorts of things. Because we we find in Matthew chapter 10, earlier in this gospel, he gives his disciples authority. He gives his disciples authority to heal all sickness and every disease. And he sends them out, and they go. Luke's Luke's record of it, it, with Matthew, we got the 12. It could be multiple times that we we have the 12 that go out. In in Luke, it's the 70 that he sends out. And when they go out, they have all these amazing, amazing events and encounters where they see the kingdom of God come and be effective and powerful and touch. And as a result of that, they are blown away with the authority that Jesus has that he gave to them. Now, Jesus has died on the cross. (laughs) He's been raised from the dead. He has now got all authority in heaven and on earth. And now he gives the commission to go and to make disciples. I think that would fully qualify us for everything that we need to go in the name of the Lord Jesus, having authority over sickness, over every demonic entity that we encounter, over every disease. And and Matthew, Matthew adds, and even death. Raise the dead. Wow. Can you think of anything you're going to face this week that doesn't fit in that category? One of those categories, everything you face this week, there's authority in Christ that has been released to us by, by the result of our response, our action to come and to humble ourselves, to receive his grace, to receive his love, and to follow him as disciples. Not just believers who, who, who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
but as disciples who are following Jesus day by day. There's a difference here. There's a difference. We can believe and not follow. Kind of. Usually when we believe and we don't follow, it's because we really haven't seen him in all his fullness. We, we haven't gotten close enough that, that we realize who he is. Because when you get, when, the closer you get to him, the better he looks. I mean, the closer you get to him, the more you see the absolute power and authority that he has over every situation, every circumstance of life. And so you want to follow him. You want to give your life to the one who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. So that's just amazing. I love that. It goes on to say that, uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations, and we're going to hit the all nations a little, little more in Acts 13, and uh, baptizing them. Oh, I like that. You like baptized? If you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to pursue baptism. It's one of the interesting things this week as I, as I was reading. I, I've never seen the association of this ever before. You know, when Jesus is talking about the casting out of demons, he talks about what demons want, that when they get cast out, they look for an arid and dry space. They want places that are dry and arid. And guess what? The baptismal is not an arid and dry place. You get wet. And there's something about water all through Scripture having to do with cleansing and what, what water does for us, the washing and, and the, the different dynamic of water that's kind of consecrated. It's, it's water that's dedicated to, to be the very foundation of, a, of an intimacy and a declaration that I am following Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I'm being identified in his death as I go under the water. I'm being identified with his resurrection as I come out of the water. And as, as we do that, there's a, there's a dynamic there that I think demons really don't like. They don't like that. The kingdom of darkness does not like that at all. They want the dry places. And we're supposed to be rivers of streams of living water flowing through us. It's like, okay, that's a great way to just stay and, and perpetually be cleansed from all the things that the demonic kingdom of darkness wants to put on you. They're constantly functioning. We, we, we've got to realize that as glorious as this morning is, that we're still in the midst of a war and the kingdom of darkness is losing, but they're making their best effort to try to keep us from knowing the fullness of God's love. They don't want us to see Jesus in all his glory and all his goodness, because if we do, we will follow him everywhere he, he goes. And so he, he doesn't mind if we get a glimpse, long as he can introduce a thought, make us feel like somehow we don't qualify, give us a, a, just a, enough I'm going to go back and quote an old Baptist preacher. Enough religion to bug us, but not bless us. 
long as we have a relationship with light and truth that we can see how sinful we are, and if he can continue to play the condemnation card upon us and the shame and the guilt, then he's got us kind of where he wants us because that will neutralize us. That will keep us from really seeing Jesus in all his fullness because what is our focus? Our focus is on ourself how we're not walking a sinless life, how we're not measuring up, how we're just falling short of what all that he's doing. And as a result of that, we beat ourselves up with condemnation. We consider ourselves disqualified from the race. Surely God can use Chuck, but he can't use me. And so we compare ourselves with one another and we see those that God's using and we say, well, that's because they have something that I don't. They're special. No, they're ordinary. They're just ordinary. But they're connected to the one who is infinitely special and powerful and has all authority. So I just want to give you that little exhortation before we start this morning. Because I just love, I just love Jesus this morning. I'm just amazed at how how tender and how kind he is, how, how powerful he is. As we look at chapter 13, we we find that as Paul and Barnabas begin their first missionary journey, and as they come to this place, the the most recent place that we've seen, they're in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and, and the leaders of the synagogue come to them and ask them if they have an encouraging word for the people. And they have an encouraging word, and Paul gets up and he shares the word. And he goes through the history, and, and he, he cites how God has chosen the Jews and how he's been with them all, all throughout their history. He highlights how Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. And he says, I want you to know two things. I want you to know that in Jesus, there is now the forgiveness of all our sins. You don't have to get an animal. The Savior, the Lamb of God, has been slain, and there never needs to be another sacrifice. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus. I I, am just blown away with how powerful the blood of Jesus is. When we think of all the ways in which we fall short and we can, we, we've got an adversary, we've got an enemy that's constantly reminding us where we're not measuring up. And if we listen to that, we'll always feel like we're never, we're always going to be in a deficit. We're never going to, we're never going to have any, any kind of uh, momentum. And so it, it takes and it steals and it robs. He wants us to know that the blood of Jesus is so powerful that one little drop of the blood of Jesus can decimate the most vile sins that you've ever committed. That it's not about us working and somehow becoming good enough, but it's how we appropriate the blood of Jesus. And when we appropriate the blood of Jesus as the true, the true reason why we stand before the judge and he declares us not guilty, not because of righteous acts that we have done, but because of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Then our faith and stuff is not in our performance. Our faith is in how powerful our Savior is, 
how pure his blood is. How wonderful, wonderful, wonderful his blood is. There's a lot of ways to, to look at this. One, one guy that I've been reading re- recently is talking about uh, how to take that truth and apply it to your life in a practical way every day especially when all of a sudden you're having thoughts and you're, you're having feelings and, and you realize that you've just done something willfully rebellious and, and you're, you're feeling... Because in the kingdom of darkness, the demonic realm is very, very legalistic. Very legalistic. And so when a demon sees what you've done, even though you know Jesus and it's in violation of what we understand a Christian should do, then he's screaming up and down and he's accusing us day and night and he's demanding for justice. And one way of picturing this, I I just really enjoyed this, this metaphor, was like realizing that one of the places we need to to get very, very clear about is in the court of accusation. When when the evil one is, is calling us into court and to give account for our behavior, and we come, we find that Jesus tells us very, very early in, in, in Luke 16, it's agree with your accuser while you're on the way. Okay? As believers, sometimes we want to say, oh, I didn't intend to do that. My wife can tell you all about intent and the law, can't you, dear? Because there's a, there's a time or two that she's gotten a ticket and... She was driving down the one-way road, the wrong way. But she did not intend to. And so she was going to try to fight it in traffic court. And as she got there, all of a sudden, the judge gave his spiel about whether you intended to or not is not the issue. If you were going down the wrong side of a one-way road, you are guilty. Okay? Bingo. Doesn't mean, I didn't mean to, I didn't know it, I didn't see the sign. I've never been here before, I've never been in the sea. Doesn't matter. And the enemy works the same way. You know, and he brings the indictment, and we need to learn to agree. We need to learn to agree. Don't try to don't try to get yourself out of it. Don't fight it and contest it in court. But then you make your appeal to your defendant. The defender that you have is Jesus Christ. He's your defense attorney. And you say, my accusation, what is it? Okay, I acknowledge I drove on the wrong side of the road, whatever. Whatever it is that he's accusing us of. And then say, but I appeal to my defense attorney who shed his blood for my sin. My confidence is not in my behavior. My confidence is in the power of the shed blood of Jesus. And from that moment on, (laughs) the judge will look to Jesus and will declare not guilty. Now sometimes, if we have an area of our life that we we wrestle with and, and these thoughts keep coming in and the temptation keeps getting repeated and we have that... It might be good while you're in the courtroom of the courts of accusation to ask for some documents substantiating that you are not guilty. So that if an evil spirit comes by and wants to tempt you, 
especially after their hold has been broken off, off of you, but he comes back to try to get you back into the same way of, of thinking and behaving and believing, you have, you have with you the document from heaven that says, forgiven, declared not guilty by the blood of the Lamb. And when we believe that, it's amazing how the power of temptation, the power of an unclean spirit to try to get us to go a certain direction gets broken in our lives. The court of accusation is something that I think we all need to understand is happening all the time. Whether we understand it with that metaphor, but that dynamic of the enemy constantly coming at us and attacking is always there. Acts chapter 13, we'll begin at verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city had gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. When Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it, and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Father, we just ask that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear hearts to believe the truth of your word. May we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> they were invited to speak. They spoke, and everybody loved it. It's kind of like one Sunday, you, you get up and you preach, and everybody just really likes the message. Oh, that was really good. <laughs> can, can you imagine the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch here they have their normal attendance except for Paul and Barnabas. They have their normal routine attendance and Paul and Barnabas come and it, my, my sense is they noticed that Paul and Barnabas were there. And so they gave him an opportunity and they shared and they shared and Paul shared with such, such passion. It, it kind of won the hearts of the people. And many of them continued to follow Paul and Barnabas afterwards. So they, they, get the, they get the advantage of hearing for the whole week from the Sabbath all through the week. They're listening and they're talking and Paul and Barnabas has encouraged them to continue in the grace of God. And so they're getting that instruction all week long. They can't wait to come. So now it's the next Sabbath and it's almost the whole city shows up. Well, the whole city didn't show up when I preached. What's going on? 
Why is everybody here? Is there a dinner after church? Is it food pantry weekend? What's going on? Where'd everybody? Look at it. And they got jealous. They got jealous. The week before, they, they were listening. Everything that they heard, they, they loved. And there was, a, there was a warning at the end of the message. You know, don't fall into unbelief. Don't listen to this stuff. And then move and fall away from it. And so the disclaimer comes. The jealousy rises. What happens when you get jealous? Anybody ever been jealous here? Usually when we get jealous, we don't just keep it quietly to ourselves. If we're an extrovert, we usually let everybody know what we're jealous about. If we're an introvert, we're very selective in who we leak our jealousy out to. But it always takes a verbal form. It always finds an expression with words and language. And it may never be that, you know, I'm jealous that when, you know, so-and-so preached, there was all of It's like, oh, no, his theology's off. You know? Can you believe that? Everybody came and listened to him, and he doesn't, he, he couldn't. He, he's so theologically ignorant, he doesn't know the Bible. I can't believe that. Why? No, we usually don't ad admit what, what we're jealous about. We, uh, we attack something in the person that we're jealous towards. What's really interesting here that just really just troubled me like crazy when I saw it is that they were speaking abusively about what Paul was saying. They were verbally attacking the gospel. They were attacking the proclamation of the word of the Lord that they had just given to the people. I don't know about you. You can attack me. You don't like the way I wear my hair, whatever. You think I'm a little chubby. You, you, can, you can do that. But boy, if you attack the word of the Lord, oh, it breaks my heart. It's like I can't believe. And when I saw that, I just thought, wow, the issue is the word of the Lord. It's in verse 45. It, it, it shows up again in verse 46. It's there in 48. It's in 49. It goes on and on and on, and it's like, oh, my stars. Can you believe this? The jealousy, the jealousy of the big attendance on the Sabbath, the enemy was able to work into their hearts and get it directed toward being abusive to the gospel message, the word of the Lord. Oh. The evil one is very crafty. The deceiver is not called the deceiver for nothing. He is the father of lies, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's never gotten off point. He's never gotten off point. How many times do we as the body of Christ get off point? but the kingdom of darkness is very well structured and they never get off point and they're extremely legalistic. And so there they, they have it. The jealousy, they rejected what they had heard the week before and their speech was about the message. And so Paul gives an answer. It's a bold answer. He says, well, we had to go to you first because you're Jews. 
First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That was Paul's, that was Paul's way. You've rejected it, and you've considered yourself not worthy of eternal life. Oh, what a stinger. That one hurt. That hurt me. I can't imagine what it did to them. But they're probably so blinded by their jealousy, they may not even realize what was happening. And he says, now we're going to the Gentiles, because this is what the Lord has commanded us. We see that the Lord, he, he quotes a, a scripture from Isaiah, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. But we also see it in the Great Commission that we've already looked at. To go and make disciples of all nations. It's not about just the holy club of the Jews only. No, it's for all people. <laughs> the Gentiles heard this, and they started having a pep rally. They were glad. They, were glad. they weren't glad that the Jews were, dis, you know, were, were being excluded, because they're not. They still had the opportunity to respond, but if you're going to respond against the gospel with this kind of abuse, sorry, you, you're, you're making your own way. But the Gentiles are glad, and they honored the word of the Lord. In contrast to speaking abusively against the word of the Lord, the Gentiles honor the word of the Lord, and they believed. I love this. So we get one little nice sentence there, and, this, and the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Wildfire. The gospel is powerful. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who would believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Now it's the time for the Gentiles. <laughs> and like, like we, we, we've said, that any time that you're doing something in the kingdom and you're successful and you've got a good result, the enemy just says, well, I better leave them alone. And you get to just float into chapter 2. No. The enemy hates every, every advancement of the kingdom of God. Every time God's kingdom takes territory in your life, in your heart, in your soul, in your emotions, in your thoughts, in your body, every time he takes territory, the kingdom advances, the enemy's got to figure out how can he sabotage this. And some of us know how to partner with him, and we are called self-saboteurs. We, we can sabotage ourselves better than he can. But he will inspire us with new ways to sabotage. But every time the kingdom advances, the enemy figures out a way to try to restrict the fullness of the glory of the goodness of the kingdom of God. And so what's he do? He gets the women of high standing, the God-fearing women in high standing, and the leading men. He goes after the leaders, he goes after the influencers, and he tries to get them incited against Paul and Barnabas. They try to show from all of their scholarship how what Paul and Barnabas is saying is not true. And they stir up, and they stir up persecution in the city to the point that Paul and Barnabas are exiled out of Pisidian Antioch. And so they leave. But they shake off the dust. 
They go to Iconium, and they're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. All that to say, folks, we're in a war. And every time you make an advancement in your walk with the Lord, don't be surprised when opposition comes and almost blindsides you. You you don't even see it coming. It's coming from the place you would never think. And this is what grieves me. Here's these these folks that are part of the synagogue, which is kind of the, the Jewish church of the day, and they're part of the synagogue, and they hear this good news, and they find out forgiveness, and they find out justification of things that the law could never justify. They could never get free. Their performance would never measure up. And they find an experience, and they hear, and they believe. And then they have this opposition, this persecution. You will never be without persecution in this life. But the Lord said, blessed are those who are persecuted. blessed. We're blessed when we're persecuted. Really? They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The fact that the enemy was able to get people of influence to come against them in no way could touch what was going on inside them. They were still filled with joy. They were still filled with the Holy Spirit. And they simply did what Jesus told them to. They shook the dust off and went to the next town. They went to the next place to proclaim the good news there. Hmm. For many of us, we we take a risk, we go out on a limb, we try to, to share the kingdom for a season in our life, and then when all of a sudden persecution comes in, People are saying bad things against us. Things start coming out. All of a sudden, we throw in the towel and just say, well, better not get too radical for Jesus because this radical stuff makes everybody uncomfortable. Do you know that? It really does. But somewhere in our discipleship making, we've never taught people how to keep the joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the midst of persecution, in the midst of kingdom advancement. I remember one time I was preaching in my early years of ministry, and I just preached a a faith-filled Holy Spirit message that was out there on the cutting edge, and I just thought I was going to, you know, just see some amazing things happen. And people that I, that I thought were kind of flowing with me, they were, they were, all of a sudden they just scratched their head and said, I don't understand what you're talking about. You know, they, they did not get it. Instead of having the effect that I just sensed the Lord was going to break through, it never happened. I went home through myself on my little bed. Actually, I didn't go to my bed. I went down to the bottom to our guest bedroom and threw myself on that bed and just cried. And thought I, I had that, woe is me. Here I am. I'm the only one. It was the Elijah syndrome. 
I'm the only prophet that you have. Everybody, and just had one of these pity parties, these preacher pity parties, because nothing was happening the way God should have done it, because I was faithful. And all of a sudden, it was just like, when we are so focused on the results of proclaiming the kingdom that we forget that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy, we are ripe pickings for the evil one. He will snatch every time when our focus is on how others are responding to what we're doing. We need to stay. <laughs> Please, Jesus, help me disciple. We need to stay as true disciples focused on our relationship with him and keep our hearts and our love connection with him so that the enemy can't manipulate us by results, by what we see. Well, Linda agrees. Mm -hmm. I feel so good. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. And the evil one hates that. He hates it. So anytime you feel like your joy and in a sense of the fullness of the Spirit is, is waning, uh, go be alone with him. Get your word out. Present yourself before the one who loves you and gave himself for you. Remind yourself that it's not your performance, it's the blood of Jesus that makes you acceptable in his sight. It is the blood of Jesus that gives us access into the holy of holies, into the very throne room of God, into his presence by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, remember that song. Mm, yeah, Jesus. Let's pray. Mm. Father, I'm just so amazed at how well I get played by the evil one like a violin. He knows what strings to pluck, how to get my attention off of you. He knows how to make me feel insecure. He knows so much about me from his pursuit of trying to sabotage relationship with you. But Lord, you know me inside and out. You know me not just from my behavior, but you know me from my spirit, my heart, my soul. You know before I even say what I'm going to say. You know the posture that I'm going to have. You know me, and you're not bound by time and space. You know me this very moment, and you know me tomorrow as clearly as you know my yesterday. And so, Father, I will no longer, I will no longer listen to the one who says he knows me because he's seen my behavior. But I fix all my faith, all my 
love, all my energy, all my trust and devotion to the one who created me, to the one who knows me eternally, the one who has ordained life for me, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and wants to impart that authority to me as a, a, a servant, as a minister of his gospel, his truth, as a master who gives to his disciple. Lord, I receive in Jesus' name the fullness of all that you've died, all that you have risen, all that in your place of ascendancy at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me, everything that those prayers are securing for me, I receive in Jesus' name. So Lord, I say let this place be a place that's filled with your love, that's filled with faith, that's filled with the assurance that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You'll never abandon us. You'll be with us to the very end as we go and make disciples. I thank you for each one here, Lord. We're not just believers, we're disciples. We want to follow you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us today what each one of us needs as our next upgrade in our walk, in our following, in our devotion and pursuit of you and your righteousness, your kingdom. And so we receive it with thanksgiving and we say thank you. Thank you. Now I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release now prophetic words to us to give to one another that you would release your word to us that we might encourage and receive it for ourselves, but then, Lord, that you would highlight and target and, and cause us to be able to give those life-giving words to others. Equip us, Holy Spirit. May we be armed with eternal love. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free to give words to one another. If you have a, a need for ministry, feel free to come forward. Be happy to pray and minister to you. Outside of that, be armed and dangerous. Did we not take offering? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we had offering. Yeah. You were getting sung to. Happy birthday. Yes, Alpha is going to be meeting immediately after the service over in the, in the Sunday school classroom, so make sure you're there. Have a great time. Alpha is one of the ways that we want to really disciple. It's our first step of discipleship, and it's our desire that everybody goes through Alpha. But the, for this first one, we have pilot, our first pilot group have been handpicked by Linda and the staff to come to Alpha. And uh, we, we're looking for the day when Alpha will, be, will all be through Alpha. An incredible, Alpha is a ministry that gives the, the very heartfelt basics of, of Christianity. I've listened through three of this series now, 
and they are fantastic. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. God bless. So prophesy to one another as you're heading to Alpha and prophesy as you're heading to lunch or wherever you're headed. And uh, if you need ministry, you want ministry, you desire, come to the front and we'll be happy to pray for you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.